Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and of course that makes this episode 9 of Circles and Squares. And uh, Kate, how you been since we last got together? I'm, uh, I'm doing fantastic. I, I think as we alluded to in the last episode, I've got a very big game uh, that I'm really excited to talk about with you guys this week. So Yeah, so yeah, Ghost of Tsushima, you've had that for what, four or five days now? I forget when it, it was Friday that it was, came out. It was Friday it came out. I actually didn't end up playing it over the weekend because I wasn't home, but mm-hmm. I've been just absolutely... What timing not to be oh, home. God, I know it was horrible, but I've been absolutely binging it since... I have been home, like, whatever, finals come out of in school, who cares? Like, I got some samurai <laughs> business to deal with. Hey, look, it's all about priorities, right? Mm-hmm. So you've been liking it. Absolutely, obviously. absolutely. Uh, we'll get into that in just a second. But before we get the show started, um, just because it's our 10th episode coming up uh, for next time, we'd love it if we could do a little bit of a listener mail section coming up. So if anyone has any questions for us, they could, I mean, gaming related, obviously, um, other random stuff, I guess, if you really wanted to, um, <laughs> send them over to us before we record our next episode um, at circlesandsquarespod at gmail.com. Uh, and we will get to each and every one of those as you send them in if if uh, it works out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we will make a little special segment for them on the next upcoming episode since it's a bit of an anniversary for us. But I uh, don't feel like it has to be around a specific episode. You're welcome to send us yeah, questions or feedback, anything at any time. We'd love to read them and we like to hear you guys just as passionate about games as we are. So we'll give you a shout out for sure. Um, so Kate, let's get the show started. Today we are going to be talking obviously about uh, what we've been playing, including Ghost of Tsushima uh, for the first segment. And then after the break, we're going to talk about a bit of news, including we got to see Jeff Keighley use the DualSense controller for the first time. Um, and then finally, to close out the show at the last segment, you have uh, choose your own adventure for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I have no idea what this is about or what the topic or anything is, but I'm excited to get to that. Um, <laughs> of course, let's get started, though, Kate. Tell me all about the ghost. All right. Well, OK, I've had to prepare myself with uh, not going on for the next five hours. So I'll get this out of the way quickly. Uh, the game is absolutely gorgeous. We need to say that off we the start. We need to say that off the start. If you've seen anything about this game online, it's the picture mode, it's the absolutely beautiful environments and scenery, it's running through a field of flowers on your horse. This game is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I remember watching just to just to get in the state of play when we had the the episode a few times back when we saw mm-hmm. The Last of Us and this in the state of plays for the same uh, news section and I was just like back then I think the thing that stuck out to us most about Ghost was like those environments so I'm so happy that they're turning out to be mm-hmm. like even more impressive than oh, than like what we expected absolutely like I I probably by the time I'm done this game will have an extra like five hours of playtime just from like wow this is really pretty I'm gonna run around in these trees a little bit longer because like holy shit it's gorgeous five hours of playtime <laughs> and five gigs of screenshots <laughs> even to your PS4 it's only been one so far but we'll see um so that is obviously a big thing um i will say that so far the story is quite interesting and they've got a really uh nice well-rounded cast of characters that you sort of follow along uh with as well as Jin, your main playable character but i'm not going to go too much into the story because that's obviously like yeah it's super fresh that's obviously quite spoiler territory and then also um, if I'm being honest, I haven't really done too much of the main story. I've been very much captivated with like, ooh, there's a different location over there. Like, ooh, there's like a point of interest on my map. Following and those like, little foxes I've, around. Yeah, I've absolutely just gone down the rabbit hole with like exploring the world and the map. So this, 
the side, the main quests have sort of fallen to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are they are good so far. But maybe that will be an, another episode. Oh, I'm sure you'll do a follow up on this for sure. Yeah, exactly. So I guess going forward, there, I wouldn't say there's really any heavy spoilers. There's going to be maybe some things that you'll encounter in the first couple hours. So if you really want to know absolutely nothing, yeah, maybe you know take a pause on this. But for anyone who's not extremely like. You know, spoiler alert, yeah. you're talking like skill tree stuff. Or yeah, like exactly. Whatever, right? Maybe some skill tree stuff or like, you know, a couple like different types of environments you might go into. So it's yeah. going to be pretty safe, but I will warn you just in case because I'd hate to spoil something. Um, and uh, the other the other thing I would like to specify too is this game, I think, is fantastic, but it's definitely not a flawless game. Mm-hmm. And the game is really clicking with what, I like in a game and a specific type of play style I have. So I wanted to kind of color my um, my review of it and my experience because if it's not for you, that might be that might be something. There's certain things in the game that maybe won't excite every player or or might bother you if you have a different play style. Um, but basically, I feel like the game really like clicks and speaks to me. Like the design philosophy is amazing like this game is just full of small little nuances in the world design and it is so incredibly refreshing and like it's such a unique experience even if at first glance it doesn't really look like an extremely innovative game yeah i i remember watching some of the the footage before when it was coming before it had come out and i expected going into it that it would be like a competent but like just basically like a triple a action type. yeah like one of those you know assassin's creed style open world type things yeah exactly which isn't a bad thing but like i wasn't expecting like something extremely unique and but it really feels that way and it's not any one individual aspect of the game it's everything kind of as like a cohesive whole so like the design is just so intentional and it just really sticks out as having like a really strong theme and identity and the game knows what it wants to be and everything almost without fail is geared towards that yeah so like there's the nature in this game and everything is sort of revolving around around that sort of theme so when it's, you, very, it's very like open and outdoors for the most yeah. part right? there's not a lot of inside kind of yeah sections. exactly there's i mean there's buildings you go into obviously but there are like a couple small rooms that have like maybe an item you can pick mm-hmm. up in them yeah. or like a, yeah. someone to talk to. Like there's not a lot of like, yeah, going into buildings or, or doing tons of like, you know, like big siege type sort of things. It's very much like about the world that you're in. Um, so as you're playing, like you have, you encounter like birds or foxes and those will, if you follow them, will lead you to some kind of like treasure or give you an upgrade. I like it feels really organic. There's no mini map or quest marker. It's yeah, there's almost a, there's almost no HUD. The at HUD all. is is basically like yeah, it's basically not there. But the game guides you in these really innovative, but like also see, like very obvious and clear ways. So instead of having a mini map or a HUD when you decide to go to a location, or if you're in the middle of a quest and it's telling you like you know direction of where you're supposed to go you get like the wind blows in that direction and you follow the wind. So it's so organic and like it, there's no artificial time where the game is telling you go here, do this. It's like you have those visual cues that are so 
they're so easy to follow and they seem so obvious but they're so unique at the same time yeah and you know what i like so much about following the wind not to get stuck too much on this Mm -hmm. topic is like i find sometimes too if you if you have like a waypoint marker off in the distance you're like focused in on that and you may miss like stuff that's going on around you depending how much of a hurry you're in to get somewhere yeah and so you kind of take the scenery in more, I think, from the the bit that I've seen this game. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same problem with like a mini map or something too. You're always looking at it like, am I on the right direction? Am I going in the right place? But instead now you're watching, you're just watching it, the environment you're running through on your horse. And like, it's so beautiful too, because as the wind picks up, all the leaves fall from the trees and the leaves that are on the ground spur up with the wind. And it's just like, they had like the most amazing gardener in this world. Like everything is just like nature and forest and beautiful and beautiful and fields and, and then sunsets. sunsets and like thunder and lightning. And then there's a fox and you follow the fox because, you know, that's kind of exciting. And he sort of looks over his shoulder at you to see if you're following. And like the game never tells you outright you should follow this fox but the way that they've designed it to move and then kind of check on you it really like entices you like this isn't just an animal this is something Mm. extra to do have the rewards for following those animals been like substantial so far Um, they have been quite nice um so the game doesn't have much in terms of like upgrades or like unlockables and in in the sense of like new things you're not going to find different types of weapons to use like you get your katana and that's your katana and you can like right there's not like five different katanas yeah Yeah. exactly like you upgrade it to make it stronger but like you can't be like oh i'm gonna use a hammer or i'm gonna use whatever type of weapon um so the fox shrines give you various like char they're called charms and you put them on to give you passive effects basically so like you don't level up in this game with stat upgrades or like you put points into decks or strength or whatever you just um choose your different equipment that gives you a slightly different playstyle, or you upgrade your equipment with resources so they are quite beneficial to follow and do these extra things um but at the same time like if you didn't find them you wouldn't be penalized yeah or almost if you got stuck maybe you can go look for a few but it's not like you have to you know get bogged down if you don't want yeah exactly so um there's all of those things there's no what i like too is there's no healing resource in the game um, so you don't pick up like potions or like, you know, like food that heals you. You get a resource instead called your resolve, um, which is basically like Jin's like, no, I'm a samurai. I can <laughs> no, do tough. this. Like, I'm tough. Ah. I don't need any help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's like mm, strike a confident pose kind of thing. Um, and it you can use that for healing in fights, but it refills when you do well. So like getting a good parry or like mercy killing an enemy that's like wounded will will refill it so that's kind of neat and then it like those sort of things all draw back to in the same way that like nature guides you it's very thematic like everything is intentionally decided to have a -hmm. spot in the game Mm -hmm. they aren't just mechanics because a game needs a mechanic they're integration fundamentally yeah into in the world yeah exactly integrated things in the world that like are thought out to make sense or to give reason to them and like to increase your your health bar instead of leveling up you go find hot springs and you like uh you go into them and then you reflect on on like your past and things like that and then that increases your health so like 
there I, I love all the little like nuances and explanations and it's just so incredibly immersive to have yeah, all these concepts just a, just a simple change instead of instead of other games that'd be like well find five of these red potions and then you can put them together like this is this is very much more like they're telling you the story and the and the it makes sense rather than just arbitrary video game items being like strewn around yeah exactly it's and it's amazing like how these small things make such a big impact on the game like I don't even know if I would necessarily pick up on them too much as watching someone play, but to actually sit down and play it, it's like, it's such a big influence from such small details. So the, obviously the other big thing aside from exploration in the world is the combat, um, which I am very much enjoying. And it, again, it's it's not what I expected, but I think it's fantastic. Um, so that really minimal HUD plays into the combat as well. Um, the only thing that shows up for you is you get a very small health bar, um, which is only there during the combat, and then also like whatever resolve resource that you have. And, and then, that, that's in the bottom left, right? It's in the bottom left, yeah. It's in the bottom left of your screen. It's very small. Um, you also get the health bars for enemies as you fight them, which is so small on top of their character model that like I honestly don't even notice it half the time. Um, but of, of course you can like adjust that as well. You can even go like more minimal with the HUD, which I didn't even think would be possible, but it is. Um, and like, you can change it so you don't see your health, which is scary. That would be intense. I which wouldn't want to play that way. scary and intense. Um, but you could if you want, uh, which is interesting because the combat is actually quite a bit more difficult than I anticipated. Yeah. I'd love your opinion on the no lock on as well, just because I know that's the thing that people have been really talking about with this. Yes. Yes. Um, it is really interesting. So I think with the context, the combat is, is difficult. I will say like when you come up against a crowd of enemies, they can very easily overwhelm you. Like they don't take a number when they walk into the fight and wait for their <laughs> turn. Like they will come hit you when someone else is fighting you. Like, and, and you can t- you take quite a bit of damage if you mistime a dodge or a parry. So the combat is very simple in terms of like your options. Uh, at least at the very beginning, you have your light attack, your heavy attack, uh, block, parry, dodge, like all your kind of like, you know, the, the usual things that you get. Um, but like you, you do have to be quite like quick on your feet. Uh, and then you also have stance changes, which you unlock as you progress. Right. And those are those are kind of like helping you with certain enemy types. Yeah. So right? what they do is they, they slightly change how your light and your heavy attacks work. And then they also are better equipped to dealing with certain types of enemies. So the first one you get is good against enemies who have shields. It kind of breaks their guard a little bit better and gets you through the shield. Um, and then the ones that you get later, which I won't spoil... They give you, they're better against different types of enemies. So the idea is that like you're kind of switching those on the fly, um, depending on what what your enemy you're fighting. Um, but obviously, yeah, the big thing is that the HUD is very small. There's no enemy reticle for targeting, um, which then extrapolates to mean that you can't press a button to toggle the enemy right, you're yeah, fighting, yeah, right? Like yeah. in a lot of those games, like, okay, like, it's tough to deal with crowds, but you sort of like just toggle and, and switch who you're fighting. Whereas in this one, you engage with the enemy just by positioning near them. And like, depending on who you're facing and who your camera is kind of angled towards, that's who you're engaged with. So is that tough to tell sometimes? I found it at first to be a little bit strange and kind of difficult to tell. Um, but I, but now I'm really enjoying it and it like harkens back again to what I, you know, I'm going to get tired of reiterating, but that sense of like, 
it's just so permanent in the world and like natural mm-hmm. and organic feeling like your in the enemy doesn't gl- have a glowing outline to show you that you're targeting him like Jin's posture is right, towards it's, them it's really and much he's those like, small details he's engaged in that small detail and that once you know exactly to look for that instead of like the usual thing that as a game mechanic you'd look for um then it becomes obvious and you really get in tune with like those small little visual cues. Mm -hmm. So I think if anyone's kind of struggling with that right now, just maybe give it a few fights of to get used to it because it is. Well, it's a lot different than other third person actions, right? Like I don't, I can't really think to, you know, on my mind right now of one that doesn't really have that kind of targeting system if you want it. Yeah, exactly. Like usually it's the option to like target or just play like totally unlocked. But in this, there is no unlocked. It's it's just targeting, but it's in their unique way of targeting. So I could see it maybe not being for everyone, but I love it. And I think it is so incredibly like stylish as well, because you're looking at just the character's movements and their posture and the way that they fight is like, it's like a dance. Like it's so choreographed, like you'll slice someone with your sword and then like on the last hit you'll kind of turn around and like wipe your blade off and then go on to fight the next person like it legitimately feels and it's funny because Sekiro was had this as their big thing like every fight is like an epic samurai sword duel and like while I absolutely love Sekiro it didn't feel like a realistic sword fight a lot of the time it was like a cool epic video game and I loved it but it wasn't grounded whereas this game I really feel like it has that kind of like grounding in really yeah you feel like that I'm surprised by that because if someone would have told me which would be more realistic in the combat like I definitely would have thought sucker punch would have made something a lot more you know lighthearted and jumping around and and uh I, I no. think at least like right now from what I've played, like the fights in Sekiro are really good, but they last so long. You get so many hits in on an enemy. I guess maybe not like the couple like grunt enemies, mm. but like you fight a lot of like big monsters and, and like foes that you'll be hacking away at for 10 minutes. So like it kind of retracts from that sort of like realistic yeah. like samurai duel. And like that's not a bad thing. It's just it's its own unique thing. Yeah. Whereas this really much feels like like you're watching a like samurai film and like people well, are getting I mean, mowed they, down. I think they said they did like hours and hours of research and watching old samurai films and whatnot to make this, you know, like I think Sekiro is more, I mean, it's a different kind of game really, but yeah. it's more rooted in a bit more of like fantasy. Whereas I think mm-hmm. now that we know more about ghosts and have seen it, like, yes, obviously it's not like hundred percent realistic, but it's also yeah. very much like modeled after those old samurai kind of films yeah, and tales. Yeah, exactly. And I think they've exaggerated it in all the right areas to make it more epic and exciting. But it's it's very much like these are real people fighting, not like gods and and you know big epic monsters. Um, so I think that's great. They I one thing I have to say about the combat too is there's the standoffs, which are, oh, so, are so incredibly cool. cool. Like I won't I won't spoil them too much because I think it's just something that you need to experience. But like if you ever are walking around and you get that like it'll be like you're up on the D-pad, press that standoff button. <laughs> always, always start a fight with the standoff. Um so that's the kind of like, I guess, the honorable ways to play as those samurai duels and, and you know, taking the enemy's head on. Um, there is another section of the game that's the ghost or stealth sections. Yeah. Which this is where it leads me into sort of the flaws I have with the game. Do you find it, you find it glitchy or like what's... 
I know some people have said they've had problems some, with it. Some people have said they've had problems with it. I haven't found any sort of like really game breaking issues with it. But it's the aspect of the game that feels like it's lacking in that cohesive vision for me. And it feels like it was added as a gameplay mechanic because people like to play stealth more than like it really fits in. Mm, that's too bad. At least at least early on, like some some missions kind of like force you to play a certain style because it's you know the mission you're playing once you're out of the open world sections um and so the first self mission i did was quite interesting because it in the story challenged Jin's values as a samurai so he's obviously like the whole like honorable like you look a man in the eyes as you kill him and like you kill him with honor right um but sort of he's challenged in that in the way that like you do your first stealth kill because you're with a character that encourages you to be like, this is your only way of dealing with a situation. If you die and don't save whoever we're trying to save, that's not worth your honor. And he's kind of challenged in that, like, and, and like that obviously is going to be a big part of the story. And it's really interesting. And that scene was really well written. It was actually quite gruesome um, and like very emotional. Then I feel like that kind of gets undermined by adapting the dishonorable style into like your whole play style like if you yeah, go into right, every right. camp like subterfuge and the sneaking around like i guess maybe that's an interesting way for like Jin to develop as a character but it just seems like kind of a funny thing to do after such a big story moment and right, then like right. and now i'm an assassin <laughs> so right yeah it didn't really vibe with me like so how did how does it feel though how, how playing like yeah, with those skills and playing with those skills like i haven't specced into that skill tree so i don't have all of it yet but I, I feel like the ai isn't really the most competent with it like they're once if they discover you but you're sort of you know up in a funny place maybe you're high up they don't really come chase you up they sort of just like shoot you with arrows and it doesn't really feel like as dynamic that they're really mm. like engaging with you as much so but, I feel like the stealth is is kind of a little bit of a miss. That's too bad, especially Which, considering like last time talking about the way the enemies behave in The Last of Us. This seems like such a stunt, like a stark yeah, comparison. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't know if that's something that will get patched yeah. in or changed, but it did feel like a little bit of a disappointment. Um, yeah. For me, luckily, like I'm not really specking into that style, so it's not really affecting my game very much. But I think if you are someone who goes in and, and wants that kind of a play style, it might be, you know, you might not get as much out of the game as right. if you played it in the more honorable way. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's more like, you know, action first. Stealth is more of an afterthought, unfortunately. Because, I mean, I personally would have been more interested in the stealth. I mean, just, just from, like, what I would be interested to play it as. Yeah. But, but just hearing the things I've heard, I think I probably... Uh, wouldn't do that yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. And the game is quite flexible. You can do some of both. Like you're never locked out of one of the options, but it definitely feels like they put more of their development time and focus on the actual like sword play mechanics than the I'd be really interested AI. to find that out if there's ever like a, you know, documentary or like something yeah. on the game's development. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if they comment on it. So um, the one thing I will say about stealth is the bows feel really good. So while I don't take the stealth option, sometimes at the beginning of a fight, I will take a couple people out by bows um like from from range with my bow sorry at first just to kind of thin the numbers a little bit because it's got a nice weight to it it is a really satisfying like headshot plink yeah um always good always good so um yeah i, th I think overall the game is is really neat and it's it's very close to being an absolute masterpiece and it's sort of held back by a few small flaws 
Um, but the game is so good at what it intends to do and it's such an immersive and, and really like refreshing experience that I think it's it's easy to overlook those flaws or at least it is for me as someone who's playing in a way that I don't or I don't encounter them as often as another player might. Yeah, right. I think it's totally one of those like it's by no means a perfect or flawless, you know, flawlessly made game. But if it's what you're looking for, then the flaws it has aren't going to to like take you out of it or yeah, ruin it exactly. for you, right? Like, I think you'll get a lot more out of it than than what it, it detracts from. And I, I think some of those flaws are created by having such a strong vision in the game. And like if it if it something fails to kind of meet the standard that the rest of the game is putting forth with such nice quality and like amazing level of detail, it stands out more than in a game that just, you know, is is decent all the way through. So I, I highly recommend it. I'm really excited to play more and maybe, you know, yeah, I'm excited to, some to more. See more. But, I want to start playing it too, but I just, uh, you know, yeah. it's not the one on for me right now. I'll get to it eventually. Eventually. Absolutely. You maybe should. on, uh, you know what I'll save it for is probably getting a better version on PS5. Mm. We'll see. I can only imagine we'll how see. it'll oh, look boy. on PS5. Oh <laughs> okay. So that was my kind of intensive you know, gaming experience for the week. Um, obviously, the other game that I, I played was I went through Erica. Got to get those PS Plus games PS done. PS Plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my pick. Uh, and I, I did pick it first. So um, I... I hope it was good because you did that to yourself. That's right. I put myself in this camp. And you know what? It was good. I'm very happy with my, my decision. So we talked about it last time, but if for some reason you missed the episode or you're not aware of the game, Erica is an interactive FMV game with like kind of like a, a mystery story. Um, so I won't go obviously into the story again with this because that's major spoilers. That's 95% of the game. Um, yeah, right. That's like the whole so, point. There's not much yeah, else to it. I get it's a, but it's a, it's a good story. I would say I liked it. Um, the runtime felt really good. It was about two hours, so it kind of felt largely like watching a movie. You do have some control over it, like you get to certain points and you have to make choices like I want to do X, Y, or Z, like here are three characters, which one are you going to go hang out with? Or like you're running away and there's, you can go left, right, or like go try to hide in this room and like which which direction do you go? So you get those kind of things and you also get like dialogue options, like how you want to respond to various characters. Um, and I I think I only played it one time through. So I can't say totally for certain how different some of the other options are. Right. But um, I did check out the achievements on it. And just based on some of those, it feels like you can have very widely different endings. Um, So I think it it did feel like your choices did influence the story quite a bit. (laughs) That's Um, that's good at least. Because I feel like those games, if you're going to have a game where it's it's basically just a click your choices type of thing you need to have more than just one yeah otherwise you're kind of just reading a book you know like, yeah exactly you do feel a little bit ripped off afterwards when you find out that nothing you did actually mattered so i think this one was quite good there were a couple achievements that we that we, we looked at after and we're like oh that is not what we did like that is very shocking <laughs> so uh, maybe it were, would be worth uh maybe it would be worth um well, we considered it. I, I did play it with two other people, so we kind of played it as a group and sort of made group decisions. Yeah. So we we considered playing it a second time. We haven't yet, but that's. Yeah. that's I mean, I guess it's short enough, right? It's a couple yeah, hours. If you got nothing to do, hours. you may as well check it out if you if you feel like it. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the other kind of gameplay part of it is is there's this interesting integration of controls, um, where you you do it all by touch. So, the game has the capability of doing it on the DualShock. Um, on the little touchpad, yeah. but it actually recommends when you start up the game to use your phone 
uh, with an app integration that they had. So I downloaded the app as it was recommended. And it's it's sort of interesting. Like you get to different parts and the, the game sort of like pauses and it'll make you interact with it. So like at one point you open a lighter so you have to like flick it up and then flick on your screen to turn the lighter on or like you open a ribbon by using your your two fingers and like pulling outwards mm. as if you're actually opening it a bit like, of a gimmick really it's, it's quite gimmicky i would say generally they were like kind of enjoyable and fun um sometimes they did feel a little unnecessary and finicky though and sort of like you know, are they really repetitive? Like it? you have to do it over and over? There's some that are quite nice. Like the ribbon is neat because it's a unique sort of action. The lighter is nice because it's got that satisfying flick. But there are times when it's like, okay, look in this box and you have to just slightly pull the box towards you and then you look in the box. Mm. And like there's one scene where we opened a briefcase, but it was like pop up oh, each like individual clips? side yeah. and then like pull the briefcase towards you and then like take something out of the briefcase. And it was like six or seven different movement movements just to open like just to right, get a piece yeah. of paper it's not out like of it's anything, yeah, yeah so like some felt like kind of like you know interesting and then some some of them felt like they were just like we need more stuff for you to do so like slightly bring this one mm-hmm. object closer to look at it when like you were already looking at it so i i think it didn't fully hit the mark but it at best it was interesting at worst it was like eh, kind of yeah whatever yeah. Fair enough. Um, one thing I would have liked is I found that like some of them were kind of difficult to fully do. Like it would have you like open something by turning it 180 degree or like all the way in a circle and you'd get like 80% of the way there and then you'd be like at the edge of your phone and it would flick back. Oh, that's, like, like, that's frustrating too. It's it sort of like there was one and it was like turning on or putting a record on and it took me like seven or eight tries and we're all cracking up because like you see it gets so close and then it doesn't happen and we're laughing but like thinking back on it now would have been interesting if maybe turning something halfway would have had a different Mm, outcome than mm -hmm, turning mm -hmm. it all the way or not at all so like i think maybe they they could have expanded on that to make it more interesting as opposed to just being a gimmick that's fair um but overall i really enjoyed it i I think the game's biggest strength is that the acting and the filming is really impressive there's some very surprising seamless transitions between like the part you interact with and then like how they actually just continue on with Mm -hmm. the film because like it's all filmed with real actors and real people it's like watching a movie but like it has to slow down and stop for you to like pull the objects closer and like you wouldn't necessarily know that it's a game watching it like it's really very seamless and very impressive how they integrated the two so yeah i think if you're into those kind of games and you have two hours to kill like it's kind of neat just as something different you'd recommend it for me then as a fan i would yeah i think i think i would like for a unique kind of like fun choose your own even like if you want a movie night yeah right play this instead of watching a movie one night it's quite fun so cool yeah maybe i will never know mm-hmm. um yeah so for ps plus if we're staying with the ps plus games mm-hmm. for the month um i of course avoided nba 2k 20 and <laughs> uh picked up rise of tomb raider um this is what 2015 2016 i think i said mm-hmm. um from crystal dynamics and so this game i was really looking forward to playing i think like i said before just because of you know it's on the list for a while and i'm really glad that i tried it i kind of have a bit of a love hate thing going on with it right now if i'm honest with you and I think a lot of that is just because I'm coming off of The Last of Us and right. kind of how... such high standards. <laughs> well, it's not... <laughs> I mean, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that, right? But I'm, I'm yeah. talking in terms of like when you really break it down, 
they're both like third person action narrative driven kind of those, that style of mm-hmm. game and so uh just because of like the smoothness of the last of us controls and like the, the menu and the story and everything it's just so so damn good that this mm-hmm. is I had to get past the first few hours of like, oh, this game is, you know, five years old or oh, right. I wish this control was on this button or mm-hmm. or like, oh, why, you know, the she's walking through snow and water with the same kind of animation and like, or, right. or you know, doesn't kind have of that level clipping of through polish. the ground. Like, and it's not necessarily the game's fault because it is, you know, a little bit older and whatever. And I, I, I'm trying not to be super biased just because of what I was playing last. But I even was thinking of it in terms of uh, playing Uncharted 4, though, because that came out within a year's time, I think, of this. Right. And even and comparing obviously that, quite a similar that, that, game now that's as a well. much more apt comparison, right? And and this game I think does some things quite a bit better than Uncharted Four, mm. but it does a lot of things worse as well as like kind of a bar. Uncharted's kind of just to get them out of the way, I guess. Uncharted mm-hmm. I find is like way more polished, and um, like the movement feels a lot better. It's smoother. The the facial capture's better. The acting's better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not all the way through Tomb Raider, so I can't really comment on the story. But I mean, like the characters in Uncharted are just so likable. Like it's right, arguably yeah. the best. The part game of has those a po- lot of personality games. for sure. Yeah, totally. So this game, um, just to get you, get off the bat, talking about voice acting, the voice acting is really not good for a lot of the characters in this <laughs> game. I just want to say, like, and I think it's kind of intentional. Like I haven't really played any old Tomb Raider games, but I went back and looked at some footage to check on this and. I, even back in those games, like Laura's voice is is so stereotypically British. Like, right, she's like the that po- kind of the, thing. The, the fake posh yeah. British. Yeah, right, and that's exactly what her accent sounds like here. It's like so out of place, and like I think bad on purpose. I mean, no offense to the game, but, <laughs> but I just really. But isn't, hey, ugh. if if it's not bad on purpose, this is your yeah. out. This is your excuse. But yeah, absolutely bad yeah, on right, purpose. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, some of the characters are fine, but you get a lot of those like. Hey, I wonder where she is. Like the random enemy number one type voices. And right. Whatever. Yeah. Grunt. Yeah. Miscellaneous grunt seven. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but I mean, a few characters are good too. But I mean, Laura specifically with or Laura with a British accent. I'm just mm. ugh, I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe because we have British family and whatever. It's just kind of like <laughs> that other level of like I've never actually met someone that really sounds like yeah, this. Yeah. You know? That's that Hollywood English accent. Something like that. But um, you know, that's kind of just the story. I'm not really playing for the story. To be honest, I've kind of already given up on Check doing out checking bit. out a lot of it it's it's just very much like gotta get here to do this gotta get here to do that like what's the motivation oh my dad was killed like right it's, it just it's very shallow on the story end like i don't i don't really see a lot going on there but where the game really really shines is like some of the set pieces and the climbing that laura has to do mm-hmm. i really actually prefer a lot of that to uncharted oh, okay. um to in comparison just because laura has a lot more at her disposal like pretty much for uncharted you only have the rope whenever it's the grapple hook when it's available for for nate and other than that you're scaling walls and whatever which is impressive in its own right but in this game um laura kind of climbs walls in the same way but she can also do a little jump off of walls as well so she can kind of scramble up to higher heights and she also has um a bow with a rope that you can unlock so you can kind of pull different platforms downwards to you stuff like that so it's a lot more varied in its movement which i really enjoy and mm-hmm. then i'm also really liking the the tombs in this game they're they're amazing set pieces like solving out how to unlock each one and the puzzle that it contains and and just kind of going and doing you know the different the different challenges especially in the the hidden optional tombs are really visually impressive if nothing else mm-hmm and the thing I like about it, too, is that a lot of games, they would have, um, you know, escape sequences when, you know, ruins are crumbling and all this right. is going on. 
And a lot of games would handle that as like quick time events or press right. X, you know, to jump this this ledge. And what I really like about this game is, although sometimes it feels a little bit like like janky and maybe it would look a little better if it was pre-done with a with the cutscene like the button press Mm -hmm. you actually play through the majority of stuff in this as well and you actually have to like jump with reflex and and solve these quick platforming things on the fly as you're you know things are crumbling or like the room is flooding or something like that. that's interesting so it's more of like a gameplay sequence than just like a cinematic sequence that you Affect exactly. a little bit. Yeah, and I and I really appreciate that because it it adds to that tension. Like when you're playing something else, I, I'll go back to Uncharted as the easy comparison. You it's not that you don't know Nate's gonna make it, but you know he's gonna do most of the work by himself. Right. Whereas with with Lara Croft, I feel like it's, it's a little bit more like player. like intense for the player. And I think mm-hmm. it's it's gone really well. So that's yeah, that's my favorite part of the game, definitely, is those temples. It's got a lot of customization that I wasn't really expecting. Like you the game's kind of kind of opens up in certain areas it's very much like some linear missions but there's big open environments and you actually get to do a lot of upgrading of laura's skills and like different guns and survival techniques and it's pretty diverse like you can do you can get upgrade your guns for accuracy and whatnot you can also get things like your enemies um when they drop their whatever supplies they drop you could they can double the chance of that um you can do different grenade different uh, arrows sorry like poison arrows or explosive ones or the rope ones i talked about mm-hmm. before so it's it's got a little bit of a different customization thing as well which i like because you know it's, it's just cool to play different ways sometimes i really love the way the bow feels too like it's uh like you said about the headshots like this mm-hmm. game very much satisfying headshots the same way uh the other guns i'm not sure if i'm such a big fan and the stealth like i said it's it's serviceable but it's not like the best right. so this game is very much like the spectacles are getting me through it, but mm-hmm. I'm not like super drawn in by the story. Right. And, and so whatever. Like, yeah. I, that kind of lines up with my what my expectation of the game was just from having seen it come out. And, and I guess like being, you know, a few years past once we've kind of progressed a little bit further in the industry is like, it looks like a solid game. It looks like it's entertaining and fun, but like nothing about it really like stood out as, you know, yeah. like raises it to that like classic masterpiece like gotta play yeah, it sort totally. of status and i'd love to know what my opinion on it would have been you know when it came out because i'm, yes. I'm looking at it through through like the, the glasses of 2020 which is a big change the the only other thing i wanted to say about the game which is in big contrast to tsushima is that the scan mode in this game like you can do one of those uh arkham asylum vision modes where you yes. can everything gets pointed out to you and like holy crap using this is the most broken i've ever seen this thing like <laughs> like you can literally if you use laura's special vision thing whatever i forget what it's called it's scan mode i'm pretty sure It'll, it highlights like everything. So I find the problem is is I have to consciously not use it because when I'm going to solve all the tombs, mm. it just highlights, like you click it and it's like, well, there's only one thing I can interact with that's not right. a chest. So I'm going to go open the chest, then I'm going to go over here and obviously do this to unlock the next thing. And then right. that thing will turn yellow and it kind of just makes the, the puzzles really easy. Right. It basically is like... It's, it's too it's yeah. too handholdy, I think. Too and obviously hand-holdy. like you can choose not to use it, but I guess it's a good thing if you get stuck, you can easily unstick yourself. But <laughs> but it's it's like very, very forgiving. Right. It's almost term, a little bit sense. like patronizing, like, oh, you need some help here. Here's this. Would you like me to cook dinner for you too? <laughs> like, Thank you, Laura. <laughs> hey, Laura's Croft. out in the wilderness by herself a lot, you know, she might be hungry. Um but yeah, that's Tomb Raider. Like it's pretty good. I I mean, if you're interested in those games, it's another one of those. Uh whether you're looking for it for you know un, un, against uncharted or not like i think i at all i still would recommend uncharted just because of the characters and whatnot the polish but this is great too overall mm-hmm. 
So, that's awesome. Well, I'm glad yeah. that we both enjoyed our PS Plus it, teams and no one had month, to right? play NBA. <laughs> that's a pretty good <laughs> month. We still will have our NBA match at one time. Maybe, maybe one day, yeah. Yeah. Um, just quickly, I know we're getting a bit long here for what we've been playing, but um, I've been playing a lot of Moonlighter and this has really mm. sucked me in. It's another game that's that's kind of one of those, hey, this is something I wanted to play and since I just beat a big long Last of Us, I'll play this you know shorter thing, but I've really gotten into this. And so you played Moonlighter also. I did. Yeah, I, I got it on Switch because it, it seemed like a really good, like, you know, pick up and play for, for half an hour here and there kind mm-hmm. of game. And, yeah. and it, it really was. Yeah, it totally is. So this is basically like a Binding of Isaac type dungeon crawler or like, you know, the 2D Zelda type dungeons in there. Mm-hmm. But then the cool twist on it is when you find loot in the dungeons, like different things the enemies drop you take it back to your town and you actually are a shopkeeper in the town. So instead of just selling all the drops from the enemies to like, you know, the store and then buying new armor, you actually have to put these items on sale in your store and set the price and open the shop and people will come in and, and like look at what you're selling, consider the price and then they'll buy it and the, or they might not and they'll, they'll give you feedback like, oh, that's way they'll little faces pop up to how satisfied they are with the price. Yeah. It's really cute because yeah, sometimes they'll go up to an item and they'll be like an angry face. They're like, "Wow, like, yeah, like oh, oh the extortion on this slime! How dare you!" Right. And then other times they bring it up to the counter and they're like, "Oh, this chump doesn't know how exactly. valuable and this item is." And then you feel is. like, "Oh crap! I just wasted like thousands of dollars." But I, I just really love that system. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, I'm surprised how drawn in I am by the shopkeeping aspect. Um, in the in the sense that it's really satisfying to go in the dungeons, get a big backpack full of loot, and then like you're kind of looking through it as you're going. You're like, wow, I'm going to make a lot of money here. And then and mm-hmm. then when you get back to the town, you end up making your money, and then you have various people through the city. Like there's an armory and a, a potion brewer and a, a few other ones you can unlock. And you can also put money into upgrading your store. So you can. I recently just upgraded my cash register. So that my patrons are more likely, they'll leave me a 10% tip now when they're buying stuff from me and I'm making more money in the long run. You can advance your shop to have more shelving and like a sale bin. You can also upgrade like your bed. So when you go to sleep at night, you wake up with more health for like your next dungeon run. Yeah. And it just really loops so well. Yeah, it does. It's really neat. And it's such a cute, like creative spin on the like dungeon crawling, like genre sort of thing like you go in and like the dungeon calling themselves i would say is actually quite nice too like i think a lot of the mm-hmm. weapons feel good mm-hmm. and like they're it's got like a nice challenge to it and all the dungeons have like a final boss that's, that's yeah quite interesting. it feels very much like uh enter the gungeon type controls to me it's just uh, a lot more hand-to-hand combat but like the, the movement i feel is quite similar yeah the role i think is very role, similar yeah. to the gungeon absolutely yeah. but yeah i think it's kind of like a combination with that and then like you said a 2d zelda where like you have your Sword yeah, and not, shield. Not that there's or puzzles like, or anything, but like just the way you fight the enemies, I think is yeah, kind of, and kind kind of, of the, those lines. the perspective as well. But I think the game really does shine with having that like shop mechanic. Like maybe just because it's something different, but it's such a cute and wholesome like thing to do afterwards and like Mm -hmm. and it's a nice break too because some of the dungeons Mm -hmm. you're like you you can teleport out of them at any time so you can just by paying a little bit of money and you so you're kind of stressed like oh should i push for another room to make a bit more money or should i just go and so after you have more of those like those moments or like you're fighting a tough boss you just get past you kind of get that nice five ten minutes to recalibrate yourself in town sell your stuff go through your inventory i really appreciate that at least Mm -hmm. but um the though my favorite part of the game and i have to bring it up because 
last episode we were talking about game mechanics that we don't like. Right. And uh oh. <laughs> yeah. No. This is a good thing. This is oh. a good thing. And it's uh, one thing we agreed on is games that waste your time for various reasons. Is they're just it sucks, right? Mm-hmm. And I have to praise Moonlighter on how it handles its inventories because it is so advanced more than a lot of the other games I've played. So so when you have your inventory in Moonlighter and you're going around to the arm, say you want to go to the armory, this is a good example, mm-hmm. and you wanted to craft yourself a new sword. Yes. So you've got the item, you got enough money in your bag, you also have to get a few drops from enemies and, you know, find ten, 10 broken swords and a bar of iron or whatever it is. Right, that's you, how you make a sword. <laughs> well, as far as I know. <laughs> But in this game, you don't actually have to have the supplies in your backpack. You can, whatever you have in your possession at all, whether it be in your backpack or in your chest at home, you can just use those supplies to craft. So you don't have to be running back and forth and filling your backpack and leaving other stuff at home. Like you can just use it all at once. And it Mm -hmm. it just saves you so much time. It's so incredibly nice. The other thing too, if I, I remember correctly from having played it is like, you can also like favorite something that you're saving up to buy. So like yep. say you want that sword and you know you need 10 broken swords to build a new sword, which raises the question where those broken swords came from in the well, first place. You know, but, I think they're but, melting them down into yeah. the metal, you know? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think so. But like, hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, you, you need those swords and, and maybe you need some goo or like whatever the three well, ingredients of course, are. Yeah. Um, the goo to stick the iron bar to the 10 broken swords. (laughs) Exactly. Imagine, (laughs) imagine if it fell apart in the dungeon. Um, so yeah, you need your swords, you need your goo, you need whatever, a bat wing, probably who knows. And you can favorite that sword item. So then when you get any of those ingredients, it shows up with that little like favorite symbol. So you know to keep it and not to sell it. And then you're not constantly checking like your menus like wait what did i need like oh i have that favorited i know that that's important yeah and that too was such a nice yeah well especially integration it's especially true when you're stocking your shop i think the reason they did this is because they don't want you being like okay i'm gonna sell these gold bars oh wait do i need those for an item yes um you know i let me check my menu then you gotta click there then you gotta find the one you want then you gotta you know count how many you have whatever it is but this game is just like that highlight when you put a favorite on something it doesn't go away no matter what menu you're in Mm -hmm. so what whether that's crafting or your chest or you're setting up your store like that always stays yes. it's so helpful it's very very user friendly which mm-hmm. which like i very much appreciate yeah so i really appreciate moonlighter i've beaten there's five dungeons and then oh four dungeons and a final one uh so i just beat the first one this morning okay and i have started the second one really digging it i'm hoping to beat it uh soon um, the other thing I was playing was Persona. I finally started Persona 5, the Royal, but I'm only a few hours in, uh, really enjoying it so far, but we've done enough Persona stuff on okay. this podcast already. Yeah, we'll, we'll let um, that sit and tease yeah, a little bit longer. We'll see how exactly. it goes. <laughs> I'll check in with it. I'll, I'm going to be playing it for a while just in the background, so I'm sure I'll bring it up here and there when I've had a slower week or something, but... Um, yeah, I think that will do us for the games we've been playing. So we will be back uh, just after the break to talk about the news and the new DualSense controller. Right, Kate, we are back and it's time for the news. So uh, actually pretty big thing happened this last week. Um, Jeff Keighley got a hands-on demo with the DualSense controller mm-hmm. and this is our first time actually seeing it 
you know, not in a promotional kind of image and actually someone using the controller. So, uh, yeah, he had the controller. I think it was about 20 minutes long. He kind of outlined, you know, the, the physical controller itself, some of the features they've already spoken about, like the haptic feedback, uh, mm -hmm. the increased volume on the speaker, a better quality on there. Yeah. And then he also played about five or six minutes of Astrobot's Playroom, which is, I guess, I think for the first time we learned that it was actually going to be packaged in with the system and built in uh, upon release. Yeah, it comes like even like pre-installed mm -hmm. on every PlayStation 5, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. So what did you think of the controller now uh, that we've seen it be used? Yeah, I'm getting a lot more familiar, I guess, and comfortable with the controller. I, I still think that I, I have that slight concern that it is a bit bigger. It really does um, look bigger than now, the other it? ones and and. Jeff said, he said it's like actually lighter and kind of smaller than he anticipated, which is comforting. Um, but I think it still is a little bit bigger than the than the DualShock. It definitely looked bigger. You know where it looked bigger to me just from what I could see was I think like the the handles on the left and right yeah. look, look, I don't know if they're thicker, but they're they look a, a lot bit longer. They're like lighter or like, yeah, slightly bigger. And as someone who has quite small hands and like, you know, maybe the Joy-Con was a little, maybe the Joy-Cons for the Switch are a little bit too too small uh, and too much in that direction. But I always kind of want a small and like more comfortable mm -hmm. controller. I, I think the PS the DualShock Four is like the perfect yeah, size. Yeah, I think the DualShock is still comfortable. Like I would even have the DualShock maybe even be slightly smaller, but like it's perfectly acceptable. And I, I think it's my favorite controller. I really like it. So I'm still a little concerned with the size. But I mean, maybe maybe for the average person, it'll be perfect. Mm -hmm. What, what um, did you think of the look of it now that we've had more time removed? Because I know it was really divisive between people when we first saw it. Yeah. I, I personally think like in person, I actually like it a little bit more. But I'm, I'm worried about its yeah. appearance over time because, you know, the white always kind of picks up that gunk. And yeah, not I, that I keep my stuff dirty, like I clean it, but it's, you know, white's always going to have that problem. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I like it in general I, I don't know if it really stands out as like oh that's a pretty controller like it's just nice and clean looking I think it will be cool maybe to get some different color schemes mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I, I you know I always get you know you always get enticed by those like limited edition like special oh, versions 100%. so like I think maybe that might be kind of neat but um overall in just terms of, of how it's gonna function I'm really excited about it like yeah that, and we got to see a little bit of that while he was playing Astrobot as well like with the the different weathers and whatnot within the game um I'm, I'm interested to see how sensitive and and impressive the haptics are like the the different rumble yeah like it looked really neat to me like there was that section in Astrobot where he played as that frog who's kind of got like springy legs mm -hmm. so um the legs, I guess, like you would sort of contract them and then you'd you'd spring outwards. Yeah, and it, yeah. it looked like he had quite a bit of control over like how far he sprang. And like obviously this game is sort of made to be like a demo for these features. Yeah. Oh, so it's gonna be so, like right? really very optimized so. and we'll see like how many games it really like actually makes its way into and is a really big integral part of the gameplay. But at the very least I think it looks like it is kind of a neat feature and like I could very much see it be used in in different mm -hmm. games to like mm -hmm. give that player like a neat feedback like every time they brought it up and I think Jeff Jeff even brought it up again in this in this uh video was like drawing a bowstring always the bowstring always the bowstring but like oh man I'm thinking like Ghost of Tsushima is like a very nice satisfying bow feel but like what if even mm -hmm. that string had even more of that like resistance and weight to it and i i'm excited about those small details and yeah 
I want to get my hands on this controller. Yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? Right? It's a weird way to get it displayed, I think, by watching someone else use it. Like to me, the haptics aren't really what has me interested. I'm I'm interested to see uh, what they can do with the built-in speaker because I always thought yes. that was such a cool inclusion on the DualShock 4, but it was never really used for anything that significant. And, yeah, and if more often than not, I almost found myself like, and I know a lot of my friends actually just turn it off. Like, especially in certain games like Rocket League, it just ends up doing these annoying sounds when you customize your car. And like, I actually, I actively didn't like it. Right. So, I mean, some games it adds something here and there, but it's very minimal. And because they were I think they said something about doing voice chat like over this speaker yes. while you're playing online. Like I'm just wondering exactly if how that's going to be implemented or or like yeah. what kind of more important things it might be used for this generation. Yeah, well, it might be interesting. Like and Jeff like tried to show him. <laughs> he did his best to try to show it off. Like he was holding the controller up to like whatever his, he was recording with. And he's like, I really hope you can hear this. But like he it was like kind of like walking through snow at one point and there was like the, the little like mushy sounds of his feet going in the snow and like it sounded really neat and that coming from the controller is kind of interesting to give you that sort of dynamic like sound coming from the controller but also your speakers and like i guess i think i think it's a bit of a gimmick honestly like yeah i i think it's one of those things that will just maybe be kind of interesting in in a couple specific games but probably won't get utilized to the Mm -hmm, extent mm -hmm. that they want to use it or that they're going to advertise like it, it's a big feature yeah exactly but i i do see it being like kind of interesting if it, is it could be used, cool like, it's got the potential yeah. to, to add right what did you think of astrobot i know it's just the it's like the tech demo game whatever but i mean it looked like it has the potential to be a bit more uh a bit more than that like it obviously looks like it's a not knockoff but like strongly influenced by like a 3d mario type thing running around collecting coins like doing some simple challenges doesn't look too intense or anything but i mean it's a free game they said it's multi-hour experience whatever that means it'll probably be like you Was know two hours collectibles and whatever in certain levels hours. But, you know it's a packing game though and, and yeah. i mean anything I, like that i think is a good thing yeah i i think it's great i, I think it's like I'm always excited by having a game pre-built in. Like, even if it just is there to be, like, a tech demo to show off the console, that's really cool and fun. And, like, I'm excited to boot it up the first time I download or I, I buy my PS5. Like, I'm probably going to buy a game with it, and maybe that will take precedent over Astro <laughs> Of course, of course. Hopefully. Um, but I think it's kind of neat, and I think, like, it looks like maybe, like, you play two hours and it's a cute, wholesome experience. Like, eh. Yeah. And, like, the other thing, too, is I think it looks like it'd probably be a really good game for kids. That's true. That's like, true. Because you buy your PS5, you buy it with some some game you want to play, like New Assassin's Creed. Obviously, your kid's not going to play. Well, depending who you are, maybe, but depending on their age, they might not be able to. There's Astrobot for free. Yeah, exactly. It's like okay, Dad bought this for himself, but also I've justified this purchase. It's also for like young Timmy. Yeah, he can play go. Astrobot. <laughs> it's perfect. Kate, let's move on to our second story for the day. Uh, this one comes from Push Square, where they have an article which mentions how kind of the, some stock situations for the PS5 in terms of like, you know, the launch of the system, since we're getting closer to that every episode. And it looks like there's going to be restrictions on one one pre-order for person, per person uh, when the PS5 launches. So I don't know exactly how they're going to 
police that in different stores? Like I know through it says on the article here that uh, the PlayStation official store looks like it will um, have a disclaimer that says you can't buy more than one when you go mm-hmm. to the checkout, like on their store. But I guess that's I don't know if that's specific to like PlayStation itself or if they're going to tell other retailers who are doing pre-orders to do the same thing. Right. Which is interesting. And and now we, we should clarify on this as well that this isn't like an official statement Sony's put out saying that this is a rule, but this is something that you know, people have notices an error message coming up right, on their right. website. Um, and it seems extremely likely that this is going to be the case. It would make sense, right? Because they would want, they're going to have limited numbers at launch. I think they said nine or 10 million from what I saw. Like that, I mean, mm-hmm. that sounds like a lot, right? But there's going to be more people that want a PlayStation 5 than that. You'd think those numbers are correct. Whatever it is, I think it makes sense to limit it in the sense that it'll, it just allows more people to get the system. You don't have to worry about resellers on the internet. Yeah, exactly. You know. I think it's it's unfortunate because, you know, like there might be some instances where a household might want two copies or or like two systems, I guess it's not a copy, but two and and that's unfortunate, but I think it does more good than it does harm. Mm-hmm. Like if, mm-hmm. if stock is going to be limited, then, you know, it gives everyone a little bit more of like a fair chance it, of of getting one. Was it per household or per person? I think well, I think it's like per person, but I guess that extends to like, you know, if yeah, maybe you have to put your address in or something. It depends how they were to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's not quite clear, but it is, you and know. Like, like you a, said, it's speculation. So. Yeah, it, it's a limitation for sure, but I think it's it's better than it is worse. To give everyone a bit more of a chance to get one is is good, and then also it eliminates that issue of people buying out stock and reselling it, 100%. which is like such a scummy, horrible thing to do, but it always seems to come up with big, you know, like purchases well, and like It's the hype ticket. coming around yeah. to the system. Like everyone's going to want you know, one of these new systems, whether it's PlayStation or Xbox or what they want, it's it's just going to come down to supply and demand. You know, what I'm interested in, in knowing is like, what happens if, you know, I think everyone would agree, like Xbox is doing some really good stuff, but I think PlayStation for sure, obviously is more sales wise is more popular these days. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to know, like in, in the bigger picture of the launch, like if Sony is more limited in quality, in quantity, sorry, I wonder if more people, how how strong people's ties are to PlayStation as a brand to to be like, oh, I'll wait for when I can actually mm. get one rather than just like, oh, screw it. I just buy a few games a year. Like, I'll just buy this Xbox. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I think there might be like a small section of people that might run into that. But then again, it also brings up the question like, well, will Microsoft's stock be limited as well? Like, they might be having the mm-hmm. same kind of like yeah. manufacturing issues that Sony's having given like, you know, like yeah there's only so much resource they haven't haven't said too much either way like neither company really has other than than like this type of stuff which is speculation Mm -hmm. so hard to know um yeah yeah. that'll be interesting yeah maybe maybe the 10 people that that are stuck in the middle are like oh playstation sold out i'll buy an xbox but then there's 10 more people like oh no now xbox is sold out i'll buy a playstation so maybe they balance out (laughs) you never know you never know all i hope is that i'm one of the people on the list to, to yes. be able to get one. Well, Jeff said in the presentation, they, and Sony has said uh, multiple times, they're going to give us lots of like time to prepare. They're going to give us like a big window of like, here's time to pre-order. You'll know the date. You'll know the time. So like, that's going to be in the calendar. <laughs> it's going to be like when I was buying my Metallica tickets yes, for the concert. Exactly. We like, we were at work. Like, I got like, us in. Oh, like man, left a meeting early. Like, I actually bought ditched those out. Tickets. <laughs> I ditched out on a meeting at work that day to right. to be ready to buy the tickets. So I'll, I'll do the same thing again. I swear to God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like so, I think like if you know you're really on top of it, then 
yeah. hopefully with those restrictions it'll it'll give everyone a, a chance to to really prioritize and, and get a console well we'll find out soon but yeah. uh until we do that we will take another short break and then be right back with the choose your own adventure which i really hope i do i make it to the end we'll, well see we'll see <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back All right, everyone, we are back. It's time to end the show by doing a choose your own adventure challenge. Um, I don't know anything about this, but Kate designed this. I don't know how long you've had it going for her. Is there any kind of backstory? Um, well, I, I will leave it up to a bit of a mystery, but I will say that uh, I've you know, been playing a lot of Ghost of Tsushima. I've been riding my horse around a lot. Um, it's one of the big things you do. And I also have been playing Erica, which is a choose-your-own-adventure. So what happens if you put some horse riding and a choose-your-own-adventure together? You get the Red Dead Redemption <laughs> Choose-Your-Own-Adventure Challenge. Oh, great, great. <laughs> Am I Arthur Morgan? Uh, well, would sure would be nice if you were, wouldn't it? I, um, I guess. So a little bit of context for this. When I first got Red Dead, uh, James came over the, to the watch sequel? me. Yeah, yeah the two, sequel, yeah. sorry, two. Uh, Red Dead 2, James came over a couple times and sort of watched me play a little bit. And, you know, there I was getting used to the controls a little bit and it can be a little bit finicky. and Fell down a few hills. Fell down a few hills, you know, made a couple mistakes. And we sort of started running with this narrative that my Arthur Morgan wasn't as really as competent as he seems. <laughs> He's an overly confident cowboy that makes a lot of mistakes. Yeah, so we, we sort of kind of started running with it like he was like, you know, not quite all there in the head and that like he's Dutch's like second hand man because like, oh, Arthur, you sure are important. You know, I I classify him almost like a Dwight Schrute. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I I, I haven't beat the game, but I played through from that moment on, like with that in my mind is like my weird dumb like... (laughs) Like your head cannon. My head cannon of like this horrible Arthur. So I've written you choose your adventure in the style of my Arthur Morgan, and uh, we'll see how let's, let's do we'll it. see Bring how it your adventure ends. So, the sun is shining into the camp at Horseshoe Overlook as you awake to the smell of Pearson's famous stew and think to yourself, "Sure is a fine day to be a cowboy." <laughs> Boy, howdy. <laughs> Howdy. You slide out of your cot, saunter over to your hat, and call to your friends a good morning howdy. You are Arthur Morgan, Dutch's number one man and the greatest cowboy to ever ride in the Wild West, although perhaps not as good as John Marston, I'm not sure yet. Today, you are tasked with riding a valentine to pick up a bounty for the local sheriff. As you head towards your ever-faithful horse, Biscuit, eager to get an early start on your day, your stomach rumbles and you can't help but notice a familiar stew pot half full and simmering over a contained fire. Do you A, set out for Valentine immediately? You don't want to risk having to search for an unlawful wildcat in the dark. Absolutely not. Or B, have your fill of coffee and stew before heading out, knowing that breakfast is the most important meal of the day and you'll need your strength for the trials ahead. Okay, first of all, you've written this like very professionally. (laughs) (laughs) I'm blown away. Uh, but, But to answer that question, it is obvious that anyone that knows me, I will not leave without a cup of coffee. Uh, so I will go with a coffee and stew. Aw, hell. There's plenty of <laughs> time, you think to yourself. I got a six-shooter horse, and I'll make it to Valentine in no time. 
You grab your bowl and fill yourself a generous portion. You are pleased with the first bite and proceed to dump the remaining stew onto your face in a fluid motion. Oh, John. Oh, John. (laughs) Content, you turn to the coffee when Tilly blocks your path. Pony up, Mr. Morgan. Hold hold on a second. Who's Tilly? Uh, She's she's one of the other followers at camp. Okay, okay. Um, Yeah, she's a generic girl, eh? I want Uh, all the info. She blocks your path. Pony up, Mr. Morgan. I challenge you to a round of dominoes. Faced with two distractions, you have forgotten your plans and agree to play for the entire day. Lose a core. Lose a core? <laughs> what is a core? So in Red Dead, your like health and life is like your your like health core. Oh, I so see. So you unfortunately are Shit. down one. Shit. Okay. Um, would you like to select another option? Oh, I've already. Instead of the stew? Instead oh, of the well, stew. Well, you know what? If you're going to give me a backtrack, <laughs> get out of jail free, I will, in fact, leave. Wonderful. Instead. All right. You have uh, you have only two lives left out of your three, oh, but let's see how you do. Instead, you will set up for Valentine immediately. Uh, there's no time to waste. You saddle your horse and you're off like a bolt of lightning. A true survival expert, you are well equipped to handle the day fending for yourself, having put some pre-cooked meat strips in your pocket a few days back. <laughs> Besides, Valentine, Valentine shopkeep Buck Bronto, or sorry, Buckshop Bronto McCoy always gives you a good deal that's on a, canned that's peaches. That's a sick name. This is living. Racing across the heartlands, carefree stags bound in the grass and birds sing the songs of freedom as you head north. The mountains towering in the distance is a beacon of invitation. You feel the power of your horse as if it were your own and you know that with the wind in your hair and the smell of the land, this is the very essence of being alive. Your bliss is interrupted by an agonized scream, Help! Oh Christ, please, mister! In the distance, I can't get over how actually competent you are at these southern accents. It's the only accent I know how to do. This is a complete surprise to me. Uh, but in right now, in the distance, you see a man writhing and clutching his leg. Biscuit slows instinctively as you approach, and the man explains he's been bitten by a venomous snake and requires immediate medical attention. Do you a suck the venom out of his wound or b ride on this ain't your business (laughs) well (laughs) this ain't my business (laughs) listen i would stop and help this guy in real life but the thing is i feel like um my guy here is a little bit incompetent and he'll probably end up sucking the poison like into his own system and kill himself Mm. so i'm gonna get going that is a danger we will get going all right you oh, t- no, no, no. Timmy, take it back. I'm going to mosey. Oh, you're going to mosey I'm going to mosey on, on down the road. All right. Well, that was secret option C, the correct option. <laughs> uh, you tip your hat in a friendly howdy as you pick up speed again, <clears throat> thinking to yourself, Addy. what an unusual fellow. A few moments later, you arrive in Valentine and hitch your horse outside of the sheriff's office. Inside, you are directed to a wanted poster, freshly hung up. Black Buford, known for his big revolver and little hat. One thing. <laughs> He's wanted for accidentally pulling out his gun in strawberry when he was trying to brush his horse. Wanted. <laughs> Red Dead. It, it happens. It's very common. Uh, he's wanted dead or alive. You feel a pang of regret for Buford, knowing it's not always easy to be a good man. And maybe if and maybe if his revolver hadn't been so big, it might have gone on gone unnoticed. And he could have lived a simple life as Brown Buford. 
But the world goes on whether we want it to or not. And you know that Dutch will be so proud if you bring home that $100 reward. Sheriff Moses Justice O'Connor tells you Black Buford was last seen camping in the Grizzlies and warns you to be careful. The sun is setting as you, as you uh, trek up along the cliffside, halfway up the mountain. Rains in one hand, peaches in the other. <laughs> Your eyes are keen, searching the ground for clues. Your ears peeled, waiting for the rustle of movement. You come to a fork in the path. Do you A, turn right and head further up the cliff? Or B, continue straight. There's like nothing to go on. Um, what does your heart tell hmm, you? Hmm, hmm, hmm. I will go, it's up the cliff. Turn right and head further up the cliff. Yeah, I'm going to go with that because I feel like the high ground is always the best when you're looking for someone. Well, come on, girl. You coax biscuit further up the mountain. As you proceed, the path narrows and then the, and the uneven ground becomes increasingly treacherous. As the path curves to the left, you turn Biscuit's reins, but your hands, slick with peach juice, slip and twist in an impossibly incorrect direction. Biscuit, with complete faith in you, turns willingly into a rubble death trap. Rocks slide, hooves fumble, and gravity puts in overtime. Oh, dang. Man and... <laughs> Man and steed landslide, head over hoof, and disappear into the darkness. Lose a core. <laughs> Man, sure. Uh, this isn't, this isn't going so well, you know? Well, I should have known that too because you fell down that hillside <laughs> when I was watching you. you so it's probably exactly the same. The amount of times I fell same, down a hill. <laughs> the same situation was, was my bound to be my fate as well. Mm-hmm. Shit. All right, I got one more chance. All right, you can continue straight if you one choose to proceed. One more lucky chance. One more spit of my chewing tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continuing along, you hear the faint sound of a river, which grows stronger and more turbulent as you approach. As you round a bend, the river comes into view, along with signs of a camp, a fire crackling on the bank. You are shocked by the sheer size of Buford, mountainous and hunched over the fire, roasting a prairie dog and whistling a little ditty. Do you A, silently unravel your lasso and catch him unaware? Or B, unholster your revolver and step into the clearing, asking him to put your hands where uh, I can see him. Jeez. Now, here's the thing. I feel like he may have, like, people around, mm. but I don't know how effective I'm going to be with that lasso. I ain't no Wonder Woman. <laughs> uh, in fact, the women are probably, like, not doing any of this type of stuff. No, they're at home Red playing Dead. dominoes. They clean and playing dominoes in Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> Um, hmm. I am gonna tell him to put his hands up. Reach for the sky. <laughs> All right, is that your final answer? Do it. All right. It's over, Buford. You hear? I reckon this can go one of two ways, and you ain't gonna want to put up a fight if you know what's good for you. Buford's eyes are wide, and he, or sorry, they're wild. They're probably also wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he charges you with a pure animal instinct. You ain't speak English, you plumb bastard. <laughs> you ain't speaking English. <laughs> you cock your revolver and shoot a perfect shot. Hell yeah. Dead eye. Yes. Buford's hilariously small hat is blown off. And within seconds, he is felled and no longer breathing. Hell yeah. You hogtie Buford and stow him on your horse, three sizes too small to carry such a man. We done good, girl. 
you give Biscuit a pat as the <laughs> I don't two. No, I don't know about that one. <laughs> no, no, that's what he says. Is that it's, actually what he says? It's really weird. Never have a girl horse because hmm. it's like they actually um had the a voice actor said he had to like re-record his like horse lines because they sounded like weird and sexual, <laughs> like, <laughs> awful. But they're still kind of weird. Uh, but anyway. You give Biscuit a pat as the two of you head back to Valentine, munching on oat cakes and drunk on victory. Hell yeah, drunk you on victory it. for the next three days. I can't believe. Wow, I'm really impressed. You that, did it. You you seem to really add a lot of details from from like Red Dead Two into this. It is. It is. Hopefully, uh, yeah. It, is this a real side quest? This <laughs> is not a real side quest, but it's very much my experience of like walking mm-hmm, around mm-hmm. severely underweight, having only eaten peaches and like falling off cliffs and yeah, everything's yeah. horrible. Oh god. Yeah, I feel like for that game, it's so easy to. To like make some stupid mistake by just pressing a button one time or or something. Yes, absolutely. The the controls are like, they're competent in the sense that like there's just a lot of of like things you can do, but they're finicky in the way that it's a lot of like hold down this button and then it changes your your controls. So like mm-hmm. if you hold down L two, then now square does something different than it used to do so it's a lot of like it's like layers and complexity onto what is what is on its face like a traditional control scheme but it's not that simple when you actually start playing exactly so you're all the time like accidentally pulling out a weapon you don't mean to and then like the town gets upset with you and you're like oh god like (laughs) wasn't what i wanted and then you fall (laughs) off a cliff and then you have a concussion (laughs) that's too bad that's too bad well, I'm proud of you. I really... I, I'm blown away. This is good. You did very well. <laughs> and I would be proud of all of our listeners if they sent in some listener questions for next episode, like we said at the start of the show, um, because we'd love to do a listener question mailbag type segment um, as a bonus part of the show for next time uh, on our 10th episode anniversary. We hit double digits, right? You got to celebrate somehow. Mm-hmm. So let's hope we get at least a few. And um, yeah, we'll go from there. Um, if you have the questions to send in, you can send them to circlesandsquarespod at gmail.com. Uh, just spelt out, no ampersand, it's the A-N-D for and. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at C-A-N-D-S-Pod. Uh, it's got links to our email and other stuff as well, our YouTube. Um, and you can find us on any podcast service, wherever you're listening to us right now. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back again in two weeks to talk about PlayStation for our double-digit number 10 special episode. See you then. The intro and outro music for Circles and Squares was produced by friend of the show, Matthew Chan. Interlude music is from Scott Grattan of the Free Music Archive. Our channel art was created by at Unreasonable on Twitter, and our brother Alex is the designer of the Circles and Squares logo. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show.